0: you are listening to open little doors episode 27 emotions at christmas time with jody jensen welcome to open little doors where we share ideas on using play storytelling and imagination to help you motivate guide and connect with your child i am julie janice one of the founders of open little doors and your host for our podcast today we hope you had a great week. As you all know, it is December 1st, or at least that's the date that this episode is going to come out. I'm recording this earlier, but it is officially the holiday Christmas season and you can probably expect that there's going to be a lot of strong emotions that will be rising during this time of year and you'll probably see these emotions in your children. So today we're going to talk about why your children get these strong emotions during the Christmas season and how you can minimize these outbursts. We had a an amazing conversation with Jodi Jensen and she knows a lot about emotional intelligence in children and she's gonna talk to us today about this topic. Um, we were so grateful to have her come on in to, and we just love chatting with her about this and we hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Well, hello, Jody. We are so happy Hi. to have you on. And would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Jody Jensen, and I am the very, very proud mother of five kids. Um, and recently, uh, I guess it was uh, about six months ago, I decided that I finally had things a little bit under control with my baby twins. They were about a year at that point. And I thought, okay, now I can start looking a little bit outside of the like internal chaos that we have in our home. And so I decided to start um, a business um, and I called it Raising Emotionally Intelligent Kids or Raising EQ Kids um, with the intention of um, helping not only my own family, but hopefully other families as well to teach their children um, these really important skills that um, are often referred to as soft skills. So they're not the, you know, the hard intelligence skills um, that are so, so very important for success in life. Um, and so I'm excited to be here. And um, I actually met Mindy um, probably about seven years ago in Texas, and then she since moved away. And uh, we've kind of kept in touch because we have kind of similar Um, viewpoints on things. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're welcome. We are so happy to have you here with us
0: to talk about um, emotional intelligence in children, especially during Christmas time. So I want to first start, I'll first want to start and ask you if you could explain to us this concept of emotional IQ. Sure.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, so that idea of emo- emotional IQ is kind of a of, of play on, you know, intelligence quotient. But back in like the 90s, research started coming out that started to show that um, there was another side of intelligence that was not really being tapped into in all of those IQ tests. And it was something that was called emotional intelligence. And basically, what that is is um, self awareness, you know, being aware of the emotions. Um, that you're experiencing, then leading to self-regulation, knowing how to manage your own emotions, Um, and then leading to another level, which is uh, social awareness. So that's basically understanding social cues, understanding um, other people's nonverbal communication, um, and then leading to the next level, which would be um, social regulation, or you can call that relationship management, Um, interpersonal communication skills. So you kind of, you have to have all four of those in order to have a really high emotional intelligence. Um, And the thing that's really interesting about it is that although um, IQ um, has been seen to be pretty constant from birth, um, emotional intelligence is something that's more like a muscle that you can flex. Um, So you can like do a heavy workout and you can get stronger um, with you know, with your muscles, but also your emotional intelligence. If you focus on it and you practice it, then you can actually increase your emotional intelligence level. Um, and so I see that as really encouraging, um, because I mean we all need to work on our emotional intelligence. You know, we all need to work on understanding where we are, why we're feeling the things we're feeling. We we all need to work on understanding other people. All of that. And it is something that we actually can learn. And so I see that as, excuse me, as incredibly um, motivating because I actually see that there's something I can do to change that
2: it's kind of interesting because your neocortex which is a lot of where your your higher functioning skills are and your emotional development can happen that that neocortex or front lobe of your brain isn't even fully developed till you're 21 or 22 right. and of course you can still work on rewiring it and you know children their their basic functions are, are you know they're kind of developed there at birth but so much of childhood is learning how to control your neocortex because these emotional experiences, they are they are so powerful, and our emotions are what what add the magic to human experience. Yeah, we absolutely, to, we have to use intelligence with these emotions so that so that we create a balanced life, and so that we can live a, so we can thrive.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And um, so, what happens in your brain when you experience something? Um, you know, it can come from something you feel. Um, with your you know with your fingers or something you hear with your ears something you see something you taste uh, or smell um, it comes up through your brain stem and it goes through the limbic system first which is where it picks out those emotions um, and so and it, it's a split second thing before it makes it to your frontal lobe where you can actually think about it and reason through it and so what happens all too often um, for our, us as adults and especially for children because that frontal lobe is not fully developed yet is we react and we have a snap reaction to something before we've had a chance to think about it, um, and so that is that's something that makes it difficult. But the good news is that it's not just a one-way street, you know, going from the spine, uh, the, the spinal cord to the brainstem, to the limbic system, and then to the frontal lobe. It actually can go back the other way. So if you can give yourself enough time, like by taking a deep breath. Um, to think through something, then you have, you give your brain enough time to make that connection and integrate the prefrontal cortex to that limbic system and get them working together. Because like you were saying, Mindy, it's your emotions are not bad. They're what add the magic to life, but sometimes they can overwhelm us and they can cause us to um, act in ways that if we were to think through it, we wouldn't actually react in that way. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's important to um, to give ourselves a moment to just kind of step back and allow our brain to work together as a whole brain and not as a, kind of a truncated brain. That's so interesting. I know that emotional
0: regulation is something I did a lot with children up when I was uh, in school and just learning about the science behind emotional intelligence, I feel like can mm-hmm. just really help me be able to understand a little bit better about what's going on with a child when they maybe be crying or having a tantrum or something, um, and uh, be able to maybe handle the situation a little bit better if I understand the background of what's going on.
1: Yeah, and I think a, a better understanding of of where children are developmentally helps us to um, not get so quickly upset when they do have a tantrum or when they can't manage their own emotions. If we understand, like Mindy was saying, that um, their brain isn't fully developed until their 20s, then we have a little bit more compassion for where they're coming from. Oh, yeah. if we're expecting them to be able to handle things like an adult, then we're just going to be setting ourselves up for failure and frustration, and we're gonna be setting all of us up for a power struggle, and it doesn't need to go that direction. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, well, let's dive into how do we apply this knowledge, this emotional IQ to the holidays? Because I know it's a very exciting and happy time for children, but why are they so prone to have more meltdowns?
1: Oh, yeah. Isn't that the the irony of life? And as parents, we have these these expectations that it's going to be perfect. And, you know, we're trying to give our children the world. And then we feel like they've just thrown it back in our faces because then they have this meltdown. And the thing is, um, you know, as we were just saying, it's important to understand where the child is to begin with. Um, If a child is experiencing big things, for example, um, overstimulation with lots of lights and sounds and people um, like you often experience at at the holidays, then that can be really, really overwhelming for them. Um, Sometimes we don't even realize that they're bottling up the unease that they're feeling with all of this overstimulation until it kind of bursts out in in the way of, of a tantrum. Um, another thing that happens at the holidays is they're very much out of their normal routine. Like for example, you might be spending a lot of time at grandma's house. Um, they might see that mom and dad are focused on the other adults. Um, and that can be kind of frustrating for them because they're used to the way things are at home. They might be you know, having more screen time than normal. They might be staying up a lot later than normal. Uh, or sugar. Might... Yeah, I was just gonna say <laughs> that. <laughs> they they're definitely to be having a lot more sugar than normal and as we all know your brain does not function as properly with a lot of sugar in your system Um, I mean, there's a ton of research on on the effects of sleep deprivation, the effects of sugar in your system that show that it really, it's not just um, a surface level thing. It really can have a very, very real physiological and emotional effect on our children. Um, And let's
2: also say that it's okay because it's Christmas time and it's okay to have some special stuff. And we're gonna talk about some tools that can help you cope with it. But know that there is that real side effect because we don't want you to think, oh, I should let my kids have any sugar. Yeah, exactly. And no
1: parties. <laughs> no parties, no bright lights, no grandma's house. <laughs> you know, keep everybody on their schedule. Of course not. But I think the important thing for us to recognize um, as parents is that these things do affect our children. Um, and if we can prepare accordingly, like, like uh, Mindy was just saying, um, then we can see that we can actually help coach our child through those meltdowns and it doesn't have to just be um you know this this huge power struggle that ends up in everybody being super angry and having to leave the party early it doesn't have to be that way um, we can work those through with our children And i think it's important to note too that our children are
2: learning and sometimes yeah. some children may be more prone to temper tantrums than other children and and as children grow and mature, while well we obviously we want to help them learn a more appropriate behavior than a temper tantrum, but at their particular developmental stage, they may just have temper tantrums. And if you can say, okay, I know that we may have a temper tantrum and in your mind beforehand think, okay, we're grandmas, if this child has a temper tantrum, what can I do? Can I just slip into my mom's room with this with this child and just let them have a little bit of time to get those emotions out? And sometimes you know we we feel that their temper tantrum means that something's wrong with them or something's wrong with our parenting when right. all they are is just being a child and maybe they just need that outlet so if we could all just give our child some space give ourselves some space when it's your niece or your nephew throwing the temper tantrum just just go on with it and um, obviously if, if they're hurting themselves or other people there has to be some intervention but sometimes some child some child, some normal child behavior we can get too upset about, and if we would just let it go, we'd make life easier for ourselves and our children.
1: Oh my goodness, I agree with that so much. I feel like a lot of times we as parents are afraid of meltdowns. Um, it's like we can see it coming, and and we're we're afraid of it, not because of necessarily the effect it might have on the child, but here's the sad truth i think we're more concerned about ourselves like we really like things to be calm and it's it's very unpredictable when a child has a meltdown and so we might rush to work through it or or just you know give them some candy <laughs> or whatever it is get you know distract them get them away from the big feelings so that they they're just quiet and we can keep things back to, to back to normal where we want it because we we might feel like maybe that reflects negatively on our parenting like you were saying and we're embarrassed if we're at a party or if we're out in public at a grocery store or something we don't want to be that parent whose child is having a meltdown um but yeah i think just recognizing that if we can maintain our own calm and if we can um if we can recognize the emotion that led to the meltdown then I think that's an important first step for the child. Like her being understood. And sometimes, like we've said, because at Christmas time, they are off
2: schedule. Their eating schedule, their, their school schedule, their sleep schedule, that sometimes, you know, something is just the straw that breaks the camel's back. And there are things we can do to watch for that. But sometimes two children don't even know at that point in time, why they had the meltdown, which is one of the values of play that we could, you know, we can talk a little bit more when we talk about solutions is trying to help the child discover why they had the meltdown or letting you as a parent get
1: clues as to what was going on that led to that for
2: your child. No, and
1: I love that. I love the approach that you guys have with, um, working through big things like this through play, because then it doesn't feel like it's a lecture. It doesn't feel like they're in trouble. Um, and it helps them to um, maybe step outside of the situation and see it from a different perspective a little more, a bit more. And
2: I found it helps me step outside. In fact, it's really interesting. One of my favorite things to do is to film a play session if I have a specific purpose for it or, or even a afterwards, because when you look at it from the outside and you look at it, you're like, oh my goodness, you just see so many truths about your child and what your child is seeing that you, you don't always even see when you're sitting there playing with them. It's easy enough to just put on the iPhone. And it's funny too, to, you know, later on, watch it with your child because your child thinks Mm -hmm. it's fun, but you can kind of talk about what they were thinking and and see things. And it gives you one more
1: perspective to look at the way that you were playing. I think that's so great. And that comes back to what I was saying at the beginning with, um, self-awareness, you know, every time you watch yourself on video, you become a little bit more self-aware. I think that's, that's a perfect example of, of teaching a child emotional intelligence right there.
0: Yeah, that's all so so amazing. And I like the point that you made a while back, Mindy, about how like these feelings that come up, it's basically what we feel isn't necessarily the problem, but it's how we deal with it. Um, and yeah. it's just, it's emotions, these uh, meltdowns and these strong emotions, they're just part of childhood. And yeah, it's so important that us as the adult can be there to be able to help them um, be able to regulate these emotions.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. So what can we do to minimize these emotional outbursts?
1: Okay, such a good question. Um, First of all, I think it's important to stop labeling emotions as good or bad. I think that is step. That's so good. (laughs) <laughs> and i find myself labeling my own emotions as good or bad and my children's emotions as good or bad we need to separate the emotion itself from the behavior because hitting is not a good behavior we can all agree with that but anger that is a normal a normal emotion and that's something that's very very much part of their little world sometimes they get angry if we if we continue in this line of thinking where we have to label their emotions as good or bad and suppress those bad emotions, what happens to our children is they start to second guess their own experience, they start to um, distrust what they're feeling, and it's going to lead down the road to these these children who become adults who have these bottled up emotions, and you know there's all sorts of damage that can come from that, um, and so what we want to do is. Um, Meet them where they are, Um, like I was saying earlier, with um, affirming their actual emotional um, situation that they're in. And so you can label it for them and say, you seem to be feeling really angry right now. I can understand that because I have felt that way before. So it's basically you're coming from where you want them to be, and you're leaving that spot, and you're coming to them, and you're saying where you are is okay, because everybody experiences that. And then you don't just leave it there, because then that would be, um, I, that would be what uh, John Gottman calls a laissez-faire parent, who is all about just affirming where the child is, and then they don't teach them anything. So what you want to do is you want to do some emotion coaching, which is you come to where they are and then you walk with them back up that path to where you want them to be. Um, And sometimes like Mindy was saying, sometimes you do need to take them into another room. Sometimes you need to physically remove them from the situation because it's dangerous or they're not in a place where they can use their frontal lobe to actually think through what you're saying. So it's possible that emotion coaching might not, um, be possible right there in the moment. but if you can table it and come back to it later, then you can talk through okay, so this is this is what you were feeling, this is what was happening and let's talk through how we can come to a better um, behavior next time. So you know we may want to start this emotion coaching before the holidays hit because we know that the tantrums are going to come and that's okay it is just part of being a child. It's part of their development to go through these difficult times, these difficult emotions that they'll be experiencing. Um, And so if we can give them a little bit of coaching beforehand um, by affirming just in those little little things like just earlier today, my daughter, my four-year-old wanted one of the babies to sit with her and she was really frustrated because the baby didn't wanna sit on her lap. Okay, so my first reaction was to just um, say, oh, come on, she's just being a baby. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't want to sit on your lap, let her go. But I decided instead to take on this role of emotion coach with my child. Um, and I decided to first see where she is and experience that emotion with her. And so instead I said, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of um, you felt Sad when she didn't want to sit on your lap because you felt like she didn't want to be with you, and I can understand that. I I feel sad with you. And then we worked through how she could um, maybe help the baby feel safe by sitting next to mommy, um, and then also be there with her sister. Um, and so this isn't you know it wasn't a big thing, but I was practicing my own emotion coaching skills and helping to. Um, helping my four-year-old to make it through something that was a small situation so that when we get into a big tantrum situation, like when we do have too much sugar and not enough sleep and too much overstimulation at the holidays, then we will have a pattern in place that we feel comfortable with. I think one of the big problems with um, with us as parents is um, there's so much good information out there. There's so much great uh, there are so many great, like different tactics that we can use in these different kinds of situations. Um, and the the reason we don't use them is because they're not part of our habits. Um, and we have to implement them in those little daily situations in order to be for it to become part of our habit structure. And so when we get into those difficult situations, it comes more naturally for us.
2: I know for me, part of making things a habit is taking time to make sure that I've thought through things and that I have given some self-care time for myself during, the hol- during busy times or really any time because I have to have some time to regroup and to think about what's going on in my family, what's happening in the future so that I can be prepared. Because I know for me, like if I knew that the kids were going to be staying up late at night, it's probably important that I have them have a quiet time during the day, they may not have a nap time. And you know, if children share a room, that means that you know one child may have to be in one place and I need to be in an emotional place where I can explain to the children, we are going to this activity tonight and you know, we need a little bit of a rest time. And sometimes they may think they don't know. I'll say, well, mother needs a little bit of a rest time. So you just have to play quietly and, and, and spread them up because they're gonna get that overstimulation. So giving them that that time, or if you're going to a family dinner or a church dinner or a work party, And you know that dinner will be served later than your normal dinner time you may need to take a healthy snack a small something small but to tide them over in the car so that you don't bring a bunch of angry kids because those are just things that if you think in advance you can prevent a lot of a lot of the outbursts. not all of them because children are children but there's a lot that you can do to to think ahead but if you're going to do that it has to be kind of a habit it has to be something that you're used to for me you know, telling stories and trying to prepare children with telling stories or when children are upset to try to, to tell them a story that matches the emotion, which is something that we've talked about in other podcasts to help prepare them or remind them or helps them step outside of themselves. And when they're
1: used to that as part of a the tool, then it's easier for them to respond. Yeah, I think that is so great. I think that there are signs that we can be aware of before the meltdown even happens. And like you're saying, if we can just prepare appropriately, then then the meltdowns don't even have to become a big deal. And then if we can use those tools that have become part of our habits, um, then a little meltdown doesn't have to turn into a huge power struggle that has to end the entire activity for the whole group. Um, because like we were saying, it's it's normal. Like These big emotions do happen. And if we can just accept that that's part of our child's reality, um, and then we can work with them through it, um, then we're gonna see that they can be so much more um, regulated, they can, they can regulate themselves in the future if we have helped set up that, um, that structure and that scaffolding for them to help them to, uh, to, to come to that point where they can do it on their own.
2: I know something that Julie is really passionate about too is she's really passionate about taking children outside. And there's really a great quote it says children cannot bounce off the walls if we take the walls away that's by um aaron kenny and sometimes at christmas time or holiday times when things really when your kids just have too much energy if you can just remember that throw their coats on even though they make it a little bit cold and just go outside and walk down the street and back up just even a couple of times that can be a tool for resetting and you know put put this on a sticky note, you know, take the walls away and take them outside. it's cold, it's rainy, you know, what's 10 minutes outside of the cold. It Sometimes that's just enough of a reset because you've taken those walls away.
1: Yeah, and in the process, you're taking a lot of that overstimulation away and taking them back to a place that feels more safe. And that's something that can happen too at,
2: at, a, at a holiday event where you can see that a child's just about ready to burst
1: Put their coat on and take them outside for a few minutes. I love that. That's very true. That is an, a bit of advice for the ages. Definitely.
0: Well, I got to say, I love how you guys talked about preparing beforehand. That's something I hadn't thought of before. And I think that's something really good that you can do. And then I also loved how you guys talked about acknowledging and understanding the feeling that the child is having. And I think it gives you a a perspective of where the child is coming from and you can connect with them and another level. And, um, and I know that Jody, you mentioned John Gottman and isn't he the author of raising an emotionally intelligent child? I love yes. that book. It's I love great. it so much. Great. It really is Maybe we great. We should
2: put that in the show notes. Yes. yes.
0: We'll Highly put We'll put that book that. in the show notes. Um, but I loved how you guys talked about how when you as, the parent aren't necessarily in the right emotional spot to do some emotion coaching with your child that you just need to take some time away. I loved how John Gottman emphasized that in his book too. Um, so, and I, that is so key in order to be able to do some effective emotion coaching with your child is you got to be in a good emotional
1: place yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually have created um, a challenge for parents Um that it's a 14 day challenge where parents work on becoming um, more of an, I call it an EQ parent, so that they can be in a place where they can teach these skills to their kids. Um, And I've seen some incredible, incredible results with parents. They get themselves into a place where they're more aware of their own needs. They're able to regulate their own emotions. And then when they start to notice you know, taking it to that, that next level of social awareness, they start to notice their children's cues that they're giving them, um, then they're able to parent in such a better way. Um, and then the, taking it to the next step is teaching these skills to their kids. But if you don't have, like if, if your old mother Hubbard and your pantry is bare, um, metaphorically speaking, you don't have anything to give to your kids. So you have to fill it up first. Um, And then you have something to offer. I love that. All right. Well, do you guys have any other last thoughts before I start wrapping up? Um, I guess one last thing that I'll say is that um, we need to reframe these situations for ourselves that tend to be these difficult situations. Because like I was saying earlier, we as parents often are afraid of meltdowns because not of what it will do to the child, but because of what it will do to us, because we fear Um, being embarrassed or not being able to handle it. But here's a quote that I want to put on my own wall is tell yourself a meltdown is not a crisis. It's an opportunity to connect and to teach. Oh, I love. So a meltdown is an opportunity. Um, And I think if we can just remember that, then it gives us more opportunities to be closer to our children.
0: That's an amazing quote. And I love all the thoughts that you that you two have shared with, with us. And um, if anyone wants to learn more about a emotional IQ and this challenge that you have, where can they find you, Jody?
1: Um, I think probably the best place to find me would be um, on Facebook. Um, I my community is called Raising Emotionally Intelligent Children, um, or is it Kids? I think it's raising hey, it emotionally. Kids. T- okay, <laughs> let me just go to there and make sure. Uh, yeah, raising emotionally intelligent kids. I know this because I created it and I'm there every day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and also, I also have a website. Um, it's www.raisingeqkids.com.
0: Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes. Great. Yes, definitely. We'll pull all this information in the show notes for you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about this, Jody. We've loved having you here with us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I always love talking with you.
0: Play, storytelling, and imagination are very powerful parenting and child development tools. And if you want to know more ideas on how you can incorporate these tools, you can visit our website at www.openlittledoors.com and sign up for our Wednesday listen emails and also check out our Play Together
2: program. We can't wait to hear from you. Come play with us.